Welcome to Optimal Health Uncovered. We are a group of health and wellness professionals in the New York metropolitan area where our mission is to empower you to live better. From specific injuries to general fitness trends, diets to sleep habits, our group of specialists are dedicated to bringing you the latest evidence-based research on the topics that matter most. Welcome to this session of Optimal Health Uncovered. Welcome to another episode of Optimal Health Uncovered. I'm Mike. And I'm Todd. And we're also joined by Zach Beekner here in our studio today. Zach, welcome. Hi, how you doing? Doing well, doing well. So we're going to talk about a fun topic today. We're going to talk about golf, golf fitness, um, exercise and injury prevention around golf, some technology around golf, uh, something to get everyone's mind off of the chronic strain of COVID in the election. So I think it'll be a fun topic. So I'm excited to um, dig a little bit deeper here today. Uh, so Todd, talk to me a little bit about your golf game this uh, this weird uh, season. Going right there, huh? Yeah, let's go right to your quality game. Quality or just quantity? Quantity and quality. All right. Quantity first. Uh, played more often this year than years past just because of the situation with COVID. And, you know, there's there wasn't a lot of things to do indoors. So outdoor... Uh, activities seem to take a priority. And for me, it's exercising outdoors and golf being primary. So I got a fair amount of rounds in and also with the kids, a lot of the spring sports were canceled. So typically my golf season would start in mid July when they're done with their spring sports. Uh, I was lucky enough to get out in April or May this year. So a, a lot more rounds quality started Rocky. I don't know why uh, I, w I do know why years past practicing a lot more indoor which we'll talk about later on in the podcast uh last off season i really wasn't putting any uh, indoor time on the trackman or simulator units so really wasn't staying consistent with my swing and i think coming out of the gates uh, i just did not have good feel or good touch around the green so uh, as the season went on game improved significantly handicap went up handicap came down. So, uh, I'm in a good spot right now. Uh, I had a couple rounds this summer with Zach on the course. He, he will talk a little bit more about a quality golfer here. So Zach, tell us about your, uh, season here. Did you play more often? Um, yeah, I got to play kind of early on as uh, COVID hit, like you said. Um, but I know that as we've, we've all just kind of gotten into the back of the groove of things. Um, and then of course, as winter is starting to hit and it's trying to starting to get colder. It's a little bit tougher to get out. Um, but I've enjoyed being able to play. Uh, you know, this is my first summer up in Connecticut, so it was nice to kind of explore some new courses this year. So this is also going to be your first fall and winter then, correct? Yes. So, so we moved up last, late last fall. So yeah. we had a winter, but I know it was from what everybody tells me, very mild. Yeah. So your rounds per year may go down living in this part of the country. <laughs> I know down, down in Georgia, you probably played a lot, but Todd, you touched on something that's kind of consistent in the golf world right now is rounds per year rounds. This season have definitely gone up. Seems like it's one of the only sports outside of tennis, maybe that you can do it outside, especially kind of an isolated sport. You may be playing with a, a group. Everyone's kind of in individual carts. What, what precautions? Cause I know, you know, you're also, a member of a country club, like what precautions have you taken just around COVID both as an individual golfer or maybe just in the golf community? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, rounds are definitely up at most clubs in the area. We're, we're located in Fairfield County, Connecticut, and there's a, a lot of golf clubs in the area. Rounds are up 
anywhere from 30 to 40% at each club. So there's a lot of golf being played as far as, you know, precautions. It's kind of flexed a little bit as we've learned more about COVID, but uh, some things that I've seen at some courses are, you know, if you are taking a cart, it's one person to a cart, or there were some unique things on some of the golf carts where there was plastic separating the two golfers. Uh, uh, and then there were some courses that I played where they didn't care. And this was more toward the end of the year. And I think as we learned more about being outdoors and having it be safer, um, but that was early on, uh, walking, people were out walking, push carts on private courses, typically, uh, not something that the courses like to do because they keep caddy programs. Uh, but we were seeing a lot more push carts knowing, I, I think the clubs were saying we want to make sure our members are happy and playing. So a lot more push carts just for social distancing. And it seemed to work quite well. Interesting things, uh, you know, no more, you know, tees at the starter gate, you know, starter box. Uh, you were bringing your own stuff. People weren't going up to locker rooms to get changed, even at tournaments, etc. They were really modified and changed as far as no locker rooms, no social gatherings after. So it was a different golf experience, uh, but yet people were still excited and happy to be out there, as you can see by the numbers of people playing. Yeah, it's it's funny you say that. I know for the first time ever, my most um, I was most interested in walking or taking a push cart this year because uh, I really didn't want to sit in a golf cart. I mean, that was a little early on. I know we've kind of had we've seen the preventative measures of the plexiglass in between golfers, which is always kind of funny looking when you're sitting on a golf cart and you have this hanging piece of glass between you and the driver, you and the passenger. But this year I decided to walk more often. Um, and I think that that contributed a little bit to knowing that you're getting more exercise while you're out on the course. Um, but ultimately I, I think that that contributed to why golf rounds are up. People can do it safely. You know, you can get out there and you don't have to have, you can space out. I mean, of course it's more than six feet, but it can be well, you know, a lot more than six feet, just being spaced from your partners and the people you're playing with, um, and feel safe and comfortable. And you're outside, uh, without, you know, a risk of, of anything going on. Yeah. The other thing is the flags, you know, not touching the flags, taking, take them out of the holes, uh, when you're putting, uh, has been a big change. They put a little foam in the bottom or a little, uh, release, uh, lever to pop your ball out so that was a little different i think that's you know sped up the game a little bit as far as you know hitting and that not not waiting for someone to take the flag out put it back in the game was definitely a little faster this year because of some of this yeah so you guys hit on a lot of key things i think there's a a good segue that can come from that so walking and walking the course where people previously weren't could lead to a set of good positive benefits or some injuries. And I've actually seen in the clinic some injuries associated with that. But before we get into specifics, let's just talk a little bit about your experience, Todd, with golf injuries. Um, what do you see most commonly? Kind of what does the research bear out? What injuries do golfers get most commonly? Well, we kind of break that down in amateur golfers versus professional golfers. And we see obviously more amateur golfers than professionals in the area we're in, uh, up in the Northeast. Uh, so, Injuries, typically overuse injuries, uh, low back injuries, low strain injuries. We see more of the overuse injuries in the professional type golfers just because of the amount of golf they're playing. Uh, and their bodies, are they're usually really attuned to taking good care of their bodies. So mechanically and their biomechanics are really uh, well sequenced and 
they can repeat that same motion over and over again and put that stress. They've adapted to that stress. Uh, amateur golfers, not so much because, you know, primarily the frequency they're playing and probably their practice habits. Uh, how many times have you gone out and you practice, you hit a hundred balls and you're like, Oh, I, I got a lot accomplished. But then you ask yourself how many of those were quality shots, right? If you look at a professional golfer of a hundred shots, they want 99 to be accurate. And the amateur golfer is probably getting 30, 40 good shots. So that tells you that 60% of the time, mechanically something's off either in their body or in, in the club mechanics. Uh, and that's, I think what predisposes the body to injury. So we see, as we mentioned earlier, the low back type things, the, the shoulder injuries and mechanical stuff going on at the shoulder elbow and wrist type injuries, uh, more so in the amateur golfers. Yeah. And that's because many different factors you hit on biomechanically, which, which we'll dive into, but from a injury prevention standpoint, you know, what do you do working with golfers? When do you like to work with them? Do you work with them more off season in season? What do you recommend? Uh, it's a combination of the two. I think more people, people have more time to focus on the off season. So we'll do our assessments in the off season a full assessment of, you know, just historically, how have they done through the season? What, what injuries were troubling them? Get our normal database of, uh, injuries that uh, may have plagued them through the years or in the past season, uh, match that up with a clinical exam and then a golf assessment where we will use TrackMan technology to look at their swing mechanics. Uh, granted we're not golf professionals, but in some of our training, we, we, we realize and we, we've learned that some of the mechanics of how the body uh, moves uh, can really play out in the golf swing and we see swing faults. So we'll touch on that a little bit later. But in the off season, analyzing where the body's at, where the injuries are at, and then building out a program accordingly. And then usually putting someone on program through the off season, you know, minimum of twice a week in, in the offices and then having them follow up once or twice a week with just other activities that they're doing. I like to see people continue uh, through the season and the, the better golfers usually do. They'll keep up with their workouts. They change a little bit. It becomes less about strength and power and more about uh, keeping the flexibility and mobility and just maintaining through the season and watching that, you know, injuries aren't popping up and just kind of using their their coaches to uh, walk them through just proper training and balancing it out with the number of rounds they're playing versus the type of workout they need that week. Yeah. And there seems to be sort of the stigma around you can't, you know, you can't work out while you're, you know, before a round of golf or while you're playing where you're in season. Um, I remember Brooks Kepka went on and went on air and, and kind of said he was doing, uh, uh, power cleans, uh, the morning he won the U S open and these guys are doing full on lifts. And, uh, you know, if it's good enough for a tour pro, it's pretty, I'm sure it's good enough for amateur golfers and, and people who maybe aren't playing nearly at that level. Well, we saw that change in the time tiger came on the uh, scene in the nineties, right in the eighties in the seventies, to your point, people were saying you can't work out. And this was with, you know, they felt like, okay, you work out, you lift weights, you're going to short your muscles, you're going to be tight, you can't swing a golf club, right? We all know that that's not true. Uh, Tiger kind of proved that and others, uh, as Zach just uh, discussed with Brooks, their 
they've learned to train their body and get the strength built up, but also maintain mobility and flexibility and maximize uh, what what can come of staying fit all year and staying strong. I, I heard that, that he was training the day of, and I was like, that's kind of crazy. But athletes train their body a certain way and they condition, and that may be the way he warmed his body up, actually. Yeah, yeah. so we talked about, the shift in golf and that, you know, Tiger's kind of one of the people that we point to to say that's one of the individuals that facilitated that shift. So golf is more of a sport than ever. Golf is something that everyone's training for year round or, or should be. You're not just going out, picking up your clubs and hitting. If you do, that leads to injury. So with that, there's different individuals that specialize in or around golf. There's the medical professionals, such as your, yourself or myself. There's the fitness professionals. Uh, and then there's the golf pros. Can we help the audience kind of differentiate what the roles are in each of those individuals and, and how they kind of get together around a golfer as a successful team. Yeah. Well, let's, let's start with the golf professionals. They're the individuals you see giving lessons on the golf course or the golf clubs. And they're the individuals who were likely very good players when they were young and played either professionally themselves or, uh, were just, you know, really good instructors. They know golf mechanics. They know, okay, you're swinging, you're hitting the ball, you're slicing the ball, throwing it off to, to the right if you're a right-handed golfer. Uh, and they'll give you some tweaks in change your grip, uh, move, your, move your foot this play, this way, turn your foot out, shift your weight this way. So they're, they're making little tweaks to the swing uh, based on trying, uh, trying to actually square the club face up at impact. And whatever they can do to get your body to do that or the the, the club to do that uh, is going to optimize the the flight path of the ball. So those are golf professionals. They're well-trained. They can fine-tune things. It's amazing to me in taking lessons over the last 20 years and learning from golf professionals. They view that swing and the swing the kind of same way we view the body and how the body moves. And that's kind of the, the differentiating factor here. As golf professionals looking at swing, uh, as medical professionals or fitness professionals, we look at how the body moves uh, and the response we get from the body, uh, not changes in the club or grip, et cetera. So from a, a medical professional approach, it's looking at the body and how the body moves, how flexible it is, how mo mobile the spine uni units or the joint units may be how strong the power that we can produce through our muscles uh, and the overall sequencing and how the muscles work together. Uh, and then we, we can basically see deficiencies there or deficits and try and work to improve those, whether it's a hip joint that doesn't rotate internally, which will, you know, prevent the golfer from following through if it's their lead hip or a thoracic spine that doesn't, move that can cause a whole mess of a whole uh, chain of problems leading to extra strain on the low back or shoulder compression uh, just because they're in, if they can't move from their upper trunk they're they're rotating uh, more or pulling more through the shoulder or low back so we look at you know how the body moves and why it either moves or doesn't move and how to help improve that and build strength around that and build on something that you can repeat over and over with good mechanics. The golf fitness instructor 
kind of takes it to the level of saying, okay, it's been assessed. We know where the deficiencies are. How can we develop a, a, a strength and mobility program? So we kind of work hand in hand uh, as far as, you know, the, the, say the physical therapist or chiropractor or physician evaluating uh, how the body moves and then handing off to the golf fitness professional uh, who can also evaluate, but maybe not as quite as deep as far as joint mobility and stuff like that. But we work side by side to improve and, and uh, see gains in strength and mobility. Yeah, I think that's a great summary. The easy way I always sum it up to clients is my job in this whole uh, team approach is to see what your body can do and show your body how to do it a little bit better. Give you better tools to go into your fitness professional, go into your golf professional to have better success. So golf pros are often left with whatever that individual is bringing into that lesson. So if they have a crappy left hip, they're going to teach them, okay, you can't really get onto that left side. So let's open up your stance a little bit. So they're teaching them around their compensations a lot of times to get them to make better club face contact, you know, hit more consistently, um, which is great because they can score better, but it isn't always sustainable. So we as fit, fitness and medical professionals have to give them better tools to go into that situation with. And then if, if you do that, the golf pro is like, wow, okay, now I could really teach you to do things the right way versus teaching around compensation. Yeah. I, I love the collaborative approach, uh, especially over the last, you know, 15 years here of working more with the golf pros and seeing how they view a golf swing and then what I'm feeling in my body and then having communication around that. And they're like, Oh, I didn't even think about it that way. Uh, and vice versa in the clinic when someone's not moving and, you know, I tell them, you know, if you improve, if you, if we change this, this is going to improve. And they're like, oh, well, my golf pro said that. And he's been trying to get me to do that. Or she's been trying to get me to do that. And I can't do that. That can't tells me there's an opportunity for us. They can't get you to make those changes because your body won't allow them to. So just the relationship, having a really good relationship between the medical professional and the golf, uh, professional is is critical if someone really wants to take it to the next level and we've seen a lot of great referrals back and forth and communication back and forth uh you know working with the pros to you know so they realize what a, a medical professional can do and accomplish that will actually enhance what they can do once they get them out on the course and it it there's still a bit of, a bit of an obstacle there with just education between uh, the health professional, the fitness professional, and the the golf pro. Um, 15, 20, 25 years ago, this was not, uh, there weren't physicians, there weren't physical therapists, there weren't chiropractors on the PGA Tour, much less at the amateur level, um, to be able to take somebody and evaluate their physical abilities and be able to say, well, sure, you might be, you know, dealing with you know, hooking the ball or slicing or, you know, your trajectory is too low and then being able to say, well, it's actually your hip or your limited spine mobility or, or your left shoulder is, um, is limited. So working with a health professional still takes a bit of education because it's still, um, we'll say relatively new to the golf world, but ultimately just the sports world of being able to collaborate all of these professionals to evaluate an athlete. I think that's a good point. I think we're just starting to learn how professional athletes function at such a high level all the time. And there's actually a team uh, around them. You know, they'll have a massage therapist, they'll have a chiropractor, they'll have a physical therapist, they'll have a physician that they work with. Some, some of these professions have these groups uh, travel with them. I know tennis, golf, you know, there's a group, a team of therapists, a team of massage therapists uh, that will travel with the individuals 
And that is something that I think the public is becoming more aware of, uh, which is leading to probably more people seeking out medical professionals for help with their golf game. Yeah. And just on the converse side of things, as a medical professional, we can't expect that if we improve their hip or their shoulder mobility, that they're going to go out and shoot a 68, right? So we give Correct. them the tools. That's where the golf pro is going to how to teach them how to use it. They're not just going to figure out that movement pattern right away. And that's it. That's a good point, Mike. All right. So let's get a little bit into some technology. I know there's a lot of technology around golf. You know, we have a track man simulator here, which we'll discuss, but Todd, how do you incorporate technology, even if it's on the iPhone or otherwise just into some of your assessments? Yeah. Through the years of doing golf assessments, I've moved from a video analysis platform, uh, which was called Dartfish years ago. It was kind of the leading technology, uh, to use for video analysis. It was very expensive. It was, uh, very it was a big burden to carry this stuff around, set it up, download the video, mark up the video, educate, send videos to the clients. Through the years, with as technology's advanced and we have iPhones now or iPads, it's become a lot easier to just take a clip and give the, the give the client real time feedback of, you know, this is what you look like when you're swinging, and then tying it into your hip wasn't moving, your back's not moving, your elbow's bending because your back's not moving and you're sliding into the target, right? And just kind of being able to show them the video and also show them the deficits that I was finding in a clinical exam. So tying that technology has gotten a lot easier with the, uh, with the iPhone, the, uh, the iPad. Now, you know, we're lucky enough and uh, we have a TrackMan simulator uh, on site at our, in our new Canaan space. So the technology using that technology, which is technology that the golf professionals have used for years and uh, in training clients. And a lot of golf pros have trackman units at home. It's just a radar technology that picks up uh, specs on how the ball leaves the club or the club path or just everything surrounding how the club moves or the ball moves after it's impacted. Uh, we have one of those units, which helps, uh, we, we incorporate that as part of our golf fitness assessment now where we'll do the clinical exam. Uh, I'll, I may take some video in the clinic with the iPhone just to get engagement, to let people know what I'm finding right away, but getting them on and having them see real life data, um, as they're hitting and the trackman's giving them, uh, information on, you know, just ball speed, club face, uh, club path uh, has been really uh, informative to clients and it's measurable and we can use that as a baseline to say, and it correlates well to how they're playing. You know, if, if they've got an open club face and they're slicing, there's a reason for it. So them actually being able to see that data because of the technology of the track man and put, put it together and then us backing into, well, why is that happening how is your body affecting that has really been, you know, impactful. Uh, and Zach and I were talking uh, a little bit prior to this about just what that track man is. And he was comparing it to wearables and, you know, you want to touch on that a little bit? Yeah. So the, the track man is just a, a way to objectively measure your, your club head and your, what the ball is doing off that club face. Um, you know, originally this guy who developed the TrackMan in the early 2000s, his name was uh, Tuxen Frederick uh, Frederick Tuxen, um, 
and developed it because he was a radar sonar engineer and uh, kind of had a fascination with golf. Um, and he would use his, in his current, in his previous job, I guess, uh, would use this radar technology to detect uh, missiles, bullets. And then as they realized that this technology could be uh, converted into the uh, golf world, it could be used to detect club face, club head, and then the ball flight. Um, and so that's where kind of TrackMan evolved from. Uh, and then as he, as they developed that, obviously you've we've seen it now. It, it's become this uh, what looks like almost like a little flat orange box that sits behind players. We see it on TV now. Um, if you've ever seen the uh, shot tracers, um, when you're watching a PGA Tour event on TV, you'll see the lines where the ball is actually tracked. Um, uh, 90% of the time, that's actually TrackMan that's using that. And then you'll see these guys on the range and, and using that. But ultimately, it becomes a, a way to objectively measure uh, your swing data. Um, if you're standing on a range, you can kind of see where that ball is landing and you have an idea, but to be able to get every single measurement and use that to your advantage to figure out what your ball is doing every time you hit it can be a huge, huge advantage. Um, sure. It can help a, a high level athlete, but even an amateur or a, or a high handicapper, I mean, that can be pretty critical and maybe finding equipment or learning your distances or just becoming a better golfer. Yeah. Tying it back into Mike's question to me earlier, what, what happened this past season with my golf game? First couple seasons we had the trackman unit. I was, you know, two to three times a week practicing on it and getting that real time feedback. You can see video of how the body's moving. You see the results of what's happening with the metrics around the, the club and the, the club path and impact and ball speed and just getting that feel. So when it's off, eventually I could make impact or I could be on my downswing knowing that I'm out of plane and it's going to be off already. That's just from that feedback that comes from hitting on a trackman, seeing it. And then on the screen, you could see the, 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 the flight path of the ball. It's kind of amazing how that carries over into the season because if it's just a matter of repetition. And as I said earlier, when we were talking about injuries in the professional versus the amateur golfer, why do professionals have less mechanical type issues uh, and injuries of say their low back? They're sequencing around their pelvis, around their shoulders, and the consistency with which they make their golf swings is is pretty solid they're very consistent repetitions there they're practicing all year on these devices as zach said it's not just off season it's during the season you'll see them in warm-ups and their coaches will have the trackmans uh trackman set up behind them during their practice sessions just again it's about repetition but it's about correct repetition and making sure they're getting the impact and the ball flight that they're looking for i think uh sort of the best way we can compare it, especially in the medical world is we can almost use TrackMan as sort of an MRI scan of the, of the golfer. Um, we can kind of guess what's going on. We can kind of see the ball flight. We can see certain things, but when we have that measurement, it gives us specific, um, ways to see what's going on when you swing a golf club, when you make impact with a golf ball. Um, there's a lot of other uses. You can use it for research and development for, you know, maybe a club, 
uh, fitting company or, or a club developer. Um, we can use it for virtual golf. Uh, you can use it for club fitting itself. Um, you can just use it for improving your game as a, as a teacher or coach, a health fitness professional, a teaching professional, uh, kind of what we were talking about earlier. Uh, but ultimately it has uh, a multitude, multitude of uses and um, that's why we've really incorporated it here at Performance. Yeah, Go ahead. It's going to be interesting to see how technology continues to evolve working off of your original question is, you know, in the last 15 years, it's gone from very expensive uh, software to the iPhone that everyone carries to, you know, to something like a TrackMan. And like we talked about the, I have golfers that I'm treating now, just they'll be on the course. They'll take a video. They'll send it to me. I can take that clip, use it, break it down and put it in and use the technology and mark it up. You mentioned uh, club head speed. You mentioned flight path. What other specific metrics does TrackMan give us? Yeah, so it'll give you distance, uh, both carry and total. Uh, club head speed, like you mentioned, ball speed, um, the spin of the ball. Um, you know, we, we kind of talk about backspin, but really it's it's total spin. I mean, you may be coming across a ball and it may look more like a side spin or left to right or right to left. Um, but that spin is just really on that axis of that ball of where you contact. Um, and then you have a face angle, club path, angle of attack. Um, there's a lot, a lot of measurements and it, what we use it for, um, here in our office, we're probably utilizing maybe 20% of the data points, um, because that's really the most, uh, necessary, uh, points that we look at but there are so many ways to measure uh, a golf swing and a golf ball flight. Um, and TrackMan is able to kind of capture all of that. Yeah, I think when Zach says we use 20% in our evaluation analysis, I know that when some of the golfers come in here and they're practicing, you know, there's probably 20 to 30 metrics that we could use. Then uh, Zach mentioned uh, many of them. Most of the better golfers are using 50 to 70% of these metrics launch angle, you know, how is it coming off the club with their seven iron versus their three iron and you know, how to, what's going on with their spin rate. We know that a higher lofted club is likely going to spin more, uh, you know, have greater height playing the, into that, you know, carrying that over to their golf game. Okay. They're on a windy condition, you know, they're going to down club. They're going to hit something a little bit, lower loft they don't want it to spin as much the the better golfers kind of dig into their game and really start to fine-tune these numbers uh, we look at carry and total carry as access it's just how far you hit the ball we know that club head speed and ball speed after impact uh, and the quality of squaring that club face up dictate how far that ball is going to go you know and we know that if you add everyone thinks oh how fast are they swing in the club that's one metric. You can swing the club and for every mile per hour that you swing that club, that club goes a little bit faster. We, we know that, you know, that could add up to three yards on a driver. So that's important. Uh, DeChambeau, you, he just hits the hell out of the ball and just crushes it. That's why he crushes the ball. He's swinging the club so fast. However, the part that they don't mention is you got to have the club face square. Otherwise, all the other things come in. Your club face is open. That That's that lateral spin Zach was talking about that we see on the TrackMan. The technology coming off will tell us what kind of spin we're getting uh, in what direction. And I think fine-tuning and understanding just how to square that club face up 
or for the better golfers, do I want to draw? Do I want to fade? Do I want to be inside out? Do I want to be outside in with my club path? It's all there with the technology of TrackMan or FlightScope for that matter. I don't want to just say TrackMan. There's other units out there that measure the same thing. And whatever we don't use, because we we got to contextualize what, what we do. We're fitness and we're medical professionals. So we may use, to your point, Zach, 20%, but we give that information to the golfer and we often invite their pros here to, to see it and do lessons with them and rent it out to them because they can use you know almost 100% of that data and, and they're more proficient at all of the metrics versus what we do. Yeah, that's totally it. Bringing the golf professionals in has been very helpful and I may use more than other medical professionals just because I've worked a lot with golf professionals and they've taught me what all these metrics mean and, you know, how to use it. The technology, the TrackMan allows uh, a person to do a session, hit 50 to 60 balls, record that information, have it and walk away with it on their phone having that data where they can analyze, they can take that data to their golf professional. If that golf professional has a flight scope, a trackman, they can kind of look at that and determine, you know, well, we were, we were working on this prior as a golf, the golf professional may say, we were working on your grip. We were working on your approach, uh, you know, your, your weight shift as you were approaching impact. Uh, and that's, what's led to the, the results you're getting on your trackman. So it's, it's really interesting to see. And that's where the real connection has come for us. Everyone says, well, why do you have a trackman technology? You're a physical therapy and wellness company. Why do you have a trackman? Well, we have a trackman because we have golf fitness professionals, uh, that happen to be medical and fitness professionals. And we do the front part, the, the TrackMan gives us data, which is what we use to determine whether someone's improving, establishing a baseline, improving, getting metrics on where they're at. The golf professional also does the same thing. They, they give them their first lesson. They're analyzing what's going on. They might put them on the same flight scope or TrackMan and get that data. Now we can speak a common language. And tying the two together is what really benefits the individual client as far as their whole game body and how they're practicing kind of like when we uh, the relationships we may have with medical doctors when they send us someone who's injured uh, and they're doing the diagnostic workup Zach used the analysis of the MRI being the trackman doing an MRI and x-ray seeing what's going on and then referring to us as the uh, the rehab specialist to improve the way their body mo moves kind of all the same. We're working together. We communicate with a doctor. We may communicate with a massage therapist. The same thing works in a, a well-rounded golf fitness program. Mike, Mike was actually telling me the real reason we had the track man is so we could all play golf year round. That's the main reason. Yeah. Main reason, main primary reason. reason. Uh, one more technical question before we, uh, before we kind of wrap up and summarize some things. Uh, you mentioned kind of the, the, not in these words, but the kinematic sequence, right? Like, so how the body unloads to hit the ball, right? And uh, without being too technical, uh, we always get this question. So I think it's important. Like the classic example is how someone like Tiger Woods and Jim Furyk have such drastically different swings. If you just look at it and the, the reference is a little antiquated, you can pick DeChambeau and, yeah. and DJ or somebody else at this point, but you know, people look drastically different. So the question we always get from clients is like, well, there is no ideal golf swing because everyone's a little bit different. Everyone's body's different. But when you put those individuals under maybe a 3d analysis, they actually look almost identical in that they unlock certain parts of their body first. Can you talk us through that a little bit? Yeah, that's pretty interesting. It's good. Uh, Good comparison, the Furek to anyone else. His golf is so 
non-traditional, uh, but when you put them in markers, as you stated, and you look at how their body sequences, and we talk about ground reaction forces, how they connect to the ground and how the body sequence is coming up. So the hips, we know that there's pelvic rotation in the golf swing. Uh, we know that then it, it, it moves up to the thoracic spine region, then to the shoulders, then through your arms and into the club, and then the club moves. There's a certain sequence that it should come from the ground up and hips move a certain certain degrees and then they stop and stabilize. And then the thoracic spine and upper back will start to rotate and they speed up quickly, but then they come to a stop and then it transfers over to the shoulders. Same sequence. It, it, they start to move, they move a certain amount and then it transfers to the club and that's where you develop your club head speed. That sequencing of how quickly they turn on or off or for how long is what we call the kinematic sequence in golf. And that's, that's pretty much, you know, the golf swing. If you can get that optimized, uh, you will uh, have a pretty nice uh, swing and a, an efficient swing. And you're, you raise a good point. Everyone's like, oh, I want to swing like Tiger. No, you, you don't. You want to swing like you, but optimize for your body. Uh, you, you're 50 years old. You may not have the mobility you once had when you were 25. Don't expect to make a 90-degree rotational turn of your upper back like uh, Rory does, right? It just, it, does, it just doesn't work like that. So work within what your body allows you to do and make your swing as efficient as possible. So it's, it's a great point. And that's the question. They're always like, I, I want to be able to move like this and rotate like this. And I kind of laugh, you know. And when someone in their 50s and 60s says, I want to be able to rotate like that, I'm like, you'll never be able to rotate like that again. However, you rotate so poorly right now that us just improving some of the mobility in those areas that you're looking at and you see these professional golfers getting into is going to improve your golf swing. Zach, any take-homes for us? Um, I would say, ultimately, why are we talking about this today? Uh, you know, the four pillars of optimal health, stress, recovery, nutrition, exercise. Um, golf, you, you know, utilizing golf as a way to uh, relieve stress. I guess sometimes it, it increases our stress, maybe a little <laughs> bit. in the golfer, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, the exercise portion of it and the stress relief it can have um, are really important. And that's, and that's what we focus on as well as the kind of the health, uh, the health portion of it and making sure golfers are able to, uh, maximize what they're getting out of their body on the golf course. So I would say if there's anything I can, you can take home, um, you know, finding, finding a way to improve your physical fitness, your body's ability to maximize your ability to not only play golf, but really be able to, uh, be, be active and um, move pain-free, I think, is is ultimately what we want people to take home. Todd, any take-homes on your end? Yeah, a little bit off of what Zach is saying and often uh, underlooked. The concept of golf is a physical activity that you're doing for anywhere from three to four and a half hours. Uh, just the effect on the body, whether it's cardiovascular response or just strengthening of the musculature, it's good. It's good to be outdoors. Uh, the stress, you know, sometimes golf is stressful mentally and physically on the body, and those stresses are good. So 
golf in itself, whether you're a good player or a bad player, just being out golfing is a very good sport for the body. Uh, I think as far as injuries are concerned, work with a golf professional, work with a, uh, a, a golf fitness or medical golf specialist in the golf world to make sure that your body can move the way it needs to for the golf swing and you're swinging the ball, uh, the club correctly. Uh, and then have those individuals guide you along with how much is too much if you're a new golfer starting into the game, just so you don't get injuries. What the, the last thing you want to happen is to get injured and then give up on the game because you're injured and say, oh, I can't golf because I've had back pain. You know, when people say that, I'm like, that's not true. You know, you can golf. You just have to golf, you know, to the way your body is now and work around things. I think golf's a great sport that can be enjoyed by most anyone. Uh, so get, get to the right people to start, get yourself going and then practice and make it good practice. Good. Great points. Last thing. Who do you got for the masters? Um, I'm going to go with uh, Bryson. I think he's just going to bomb it over all the trees and be able to win by just having driver wedge in every green. All right, Todd, who's your pick? Uh, I'm not going to pick anyone, but I, I disagree with him. I, I, it's going to be hard to do two two uh, two tournament two big tournaments in a row. I think uh, Wingfoot he was able to really bang away and prove everyone wrong. Uh, it's hard to do that. It's hard to play four consecutive days at a high high level. You're saying uh, play eight days at a high high level on yeah. a different type of course. So it'll be interesting. I don't I don't have any favorites or picks. I just enjoy watching. I just I enjoy watching and then looking at the mechanics and how they're swinging and, and the, the emotional and the, the mental part of the game uh, just blows me out of the water with how they can stay in it for so many holes or 72, 71 holes. And then they blow up on the last hole, right? It's such a great mental game. What, well, what about, what about you then, Mike? You uh, got to pick somebody. Yeah, I go with DJ. He plays okay. that. He plays that course well. He's fairly consistent on it. He may not be, you know, always on top of the leaderboard, but he's always in contention. So, plus he's kind of a bad boy. So I always go with that. <laughs> it's always fun to watch. <laughs> all right. So good stuff, guys. Um, for all our listeners out there, thank you for joining us for another episode of Optimal Health Uncovered. As for my co-host Todd, I'm Mike, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Optimal Health Uncovered. If you have questions for us or want to hear about something specific in an upcoming episode send an email to podcast at performance-pt.com and be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for more tips on optimal health. Until next time, be well.